Hey, thanks for listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast. If you've listened to some of our episodes before, you might recognize me. I'm Gabe Jones. I work here in the communications office for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're going to do something different with the podcast than what we've done before. Of course, we produce weekly news updates, and we've been doing that for several weeks. You may have heard on some of those, I mentioned that we're going to go to a season format. So we're going to produce longer, more feature stories in seasons. We're going to go out and record audio and talk to people and do interviews and really kind of get into these stories that are really unique about the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Those weekly news updates will continue to come out every week. And as we get around to it, we'll produce these seasons and post those as well. So to make sure you don't miss an episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or any number of other podcast apps out there. If we're not on your favorite podcast app, let us know. Or if you have story ideas for a future podcast, email us at communications at archstl.org. That's communications at archstl.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Molly Judd hasn't always felt a calling to religious life. She thinks it probably began during her teen years. Um, I guess I kind of started discerning my vocation first when I was in, um, I guess, you know, high school youth group. I attended Incarnate Word for youth group. And um, that was the first time I think the seed was really planted uh, in my religious discernment. Molly is not the only young woman who has felt the call recently. In 2016, 104 of 120 religious orders that make up the Council of Major Superiors of Women Religious, or CMSWR, reported well over 900 young women in initial formation in the United States. That includes women in temporary vows, novices, and postulants. In the past few years, about 40 women and men from the St. Louis area entered basic formation in the consecrated religious life. These men and women have, and continue to, discern the calling that God has for them as a sister, a nun, a monk, or a religious order priest. And some may eventually discern out of religious life entirely. Discernment is not always an easy or quick process. Sometimes we even avoid God's calling, as Molly can attest. I feel like the discernment stories can go on forever, but then I went on to... um uh, Switzerland, where I worked for the UN, and Caritas International, which is a non-governmental organization that works with the Holy See Mission there. So I worked there thinking it was my dream job, and then got um, hired in Washington, D.C. with a lawyer, a woman lawyer, who is just has been my role model for a long time. And throughout that process, as I was gaining all the things that I thought I wanted, I became more and more um, just dissatisfied with my, um, with my, I guess, longings. And so that's when the question of vocation really came up again in my heart, and I had to look at it face on. Switzerland and the United Nations. Did you catch that? With that on her resume, she could have gone on to do any numbers of things and have all sorts of worldly success. But she gave it up for God. parish likes to, to look at kind of the bigger picture. A priest is an altar priest. They just go, go, go. In the zeal full of Jesus Christ. There is compassion for poor people. And it has this beautiful historic church. Heaven coming down to earth. Thanks be to God. From the Rome of the West, this is the Catholic Gateway Podcast, your audio gateway into the Archdiocese of St. Louis.
On each episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we'll tell the stories about the interesting people, places, and events that make up the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm Gabe Jones. Trusting in the Holy Spirit to guide our words, let's begin. Um, And I guess my vocational story starts um, just about the same time I was starting law school. I was at Mass one Sunday um, back at my home parish, and it was the gospel reading uh, from Matthew where Christ says, the harvest is plenty, but the labors are few, so ask the master of the harvest to send out more labors. And even though I'd heard that, uh, you know, many times before, it was sort of the first time that the Holy Spirit sort of struck me that God was talking to me specifically, and he wanted me to go out and do something for him, um, in particular in religious life. And at that point, I really had no idea what religious life was, uh, no conception that young people actually still entered the convent or anything like that. Um, So I spent a lot of time just learning what religious life was, deepening my prayer life, um, and sort of through this process, I was going through law school, um, started working as an attorney, um, and it was sort of the same thing as what Molly said of just that even though I was getting all these awards and um, all these achievements that the secular world would view as being, you know, super great and wonderful, like there, it never really fulfilled uh, the longing in my heart. And um, just over time, that question of vocation just kept coming back. That's Stephanie Toe. Like Molly, she too has had a wealth of worldly experience, but heard God calling her to something more. So that's where Molly and Stephanie are similar. But in some ways, they couldn't be more different. Molly was born and raised in St. Louis, in St. Clement of Rome Parish. She's the oldest of six kids, and for those wondering, she went to high school at Visitation Academy. Stephanie is from Topeka, Kansas, and moved here to attend Washington University. But what I think is unique is that they both happened to work here for the Archdiocese of St. Louis during the same period of time, and both joined their respective orders this fall. I'm sure many of you listening to this find it fascinating that two young women, millennials nonetheless, would, in 2017, give up the prospects of worldly success to become a religious sister. Personally, I'm fascinated by the fact that they both worked for the Archdiocese of St. Louis at the same time. It's a good thing knowing that working for the church may help one's vocational discernment, right? I recently invited Stephanie and Molly into the Catholic Gateway Podcast studio for an interview to find out more about their backgrounds, their vocation stories, and to get their advice on discernment for anyone out there trying to discern God's calling. Maybe that's you. I hope you enjoy this episode. So, um, I guess let's talk about discernment then a little bit, Mm -hmm. because it is important for people to realize that the call to a consecrated life or, or some sort of vocation is a calling. Mm-hmm. It's not something we choose. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit, uh, sort of um, how, you've, how you've felt that call? And can we get into that, that spiritual aspect of what hearing that call is and what discerning that call really means? Well, I think for me, the easiest way to think about that is that God creates our hearts with certain desires and certain talents. Um, and I think of it as, as the chalice, that, you know, the priest uses a chalice at Mass for the consecration of, of the wine into the blood of Christ. And the chalice is 
is obviously a vessel that can hold liquid. Like it could clearly hold water or Coca-Cola or anything else like that. Uh, but because it was made to be a chalice, it, there's something fitting about it holding the wine that becomes the blood of Christ. There's something wrong about putting a can of Diet Coke in it, even though functionally it could do that. It could hold the Coke. Um, and I think it's the same for our hearts, that God has somehow created our hearts with a particular vocation in mind, um, and he gradually reveals to us um, exactly what that what that looks like. And I think having a call to the consecrated life, there's just something about um, this notion that my heart has been set apart by God sort of from the beginning of time to be wholly his, to be able to serve his church uh, fully. Um, and coming to discern that vocation, I think, brings a lot of peace because it's almost like this sense of coming home of, yeah, I'm finally here. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is who I'm supposed to be. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, wow, I love that image of the chalice. That's really beautiful. Um you know, the way I described my discernment was finally all the puzzle pieces of my life came together, like with the order that I'm looking at and um, just my life experiences, the things that I was interested in, my desires, um, finally just all made sense, like how I liked to pray, what their work was, um, my gifts, you know, like all of those things finally made sense in a place. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people think with discernment, you're like, oh, no, could I be called? It's like, no, eventually, like, you're actually happy that your life and all these pieces are making sense, and you're like, this is this is how my heart's made. It's not a, um, oh, no, like, I have to go, I guess I'm called, you know. It's a, it's a joyful thing. It's like finding, uh, yeah, the person that you were meant to spend your life with. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's, when you first start discerning, there's there's sort of this fear of, oh my gosh, does God actually want me to do this? And the sense of like, well, I don't know that I want this. There's yeah. something very overwhelming about um, sort of realizing that this may be something God might be asking of you. Um, and I think as you pray with that, you sort of get to the point where it's almost like you become too frustrated. Like you you're tired of trying to tell God what you want and you just sort of get to the point of being completely vulnerable and surrendering to him of, okay, God, whatever it is that you want for my life, just tell me and I'll go do it. And I think it's finally when you reach that point that you're able to really hear what God is asking of you and to hear that call more fully. That's really, I think, very, very good insight from both of you. Um, very, very profound. I, I, I do like the chalice idea too. Like when we are made for something, that becomes clear. Mm-hmm. And the more you, um, it almost sounds selfish, but the more you turn in on yourself uh, in, a, in a prayerful sense and discover who you are, you discover who you were made for and how you were made. Card- I recently read Cardinal Seurat's book, Power of Silence. Oh, so good. And he, uh, uh, I can't remember if it was him or the, the archabbot of the Grand Chartreuse Monastery, but they said, you know, that, uh, well, there's two things. The, the, the abbot said, People come on retreats to the Grand Chartreuse seeking silence. Then they want to just get away and disconnect. And they sort of, they want to find God in that silence. And what they find is themselves. You know, they find themselves, and sometimes they don't like what they find. And so it was similar with that discernment, I think. Maybe you turn in on yourself. You sort of figure out what you're made for, what you're called for. And there may be some fear that, oh, my gosh, maybe I'm called to this and I don't want to do it. But then it turns to joy once you really embrace it and, and, and kind of everything starts to click. So that's really that's really nice to hear. Um, tell tell us then about your orders that your the respective orders that you're joining. Um, what 
why did you feel called to those and sort of what's that process like you know for any women out there young ladies or, or a woman of any age how who might be afraid of or, or not knowing what to do how do they even go about how do they start that process of figuring out what what order might be right for them so um, I'm joining the Sisters of Life, and they are a newer order. Um, they were founded in 1991 by John Cardinal O'Connor, and um, he was the Archbishop of New York at the time, and saw this great need earlier in his priesthood, actually right before his um, Episcopate consecration, um, for the sanctity and dignity of every human life and the protection of that. So he really vowed his priesthood to that, and then over time... Um, had a second inspiration where uh, he was praying with scripture and the passage about um, when the apostles come back to Jesus and they say, why can we not cast out this demon? Um, We could cast out all the other ones. And Jesus responded and said, this demon can only be cast out with prayer and fasting. So that was his second inspiration to found an order of religious women that would give their life um, and vow their charism for prayer and fasting for the sanctity and dignity of every human life in this culture of death. So um, that's a little bit about their charism, but they help women in crisis pregnancy situations, post-abortive women in healing retreats. Some women live with them, um, and they take them to doctor's appointments, get up with them in the middle of the night once they have their baby. Um, Yeah, so really just like upholding, uh, especially women in our culture. And I think going back to the whole puzzle piece thing, that's how I knew that this order was for me. Um, I was looking at some other orders, and I, in a way, was even more attracted to them, or you know, at first. And and then the Lord was like, Ah, no, I want you to like look at this order. Look at your gifts. Look how this order's charism fits that. Like even the small desire of wanting to have Ignatian prayer and Dominican prayer and a charism, you can have that with the Sisters of Life. So um, that's kind of how I found them. And actually working for the lawyer, she was very close with Cardinal O'Connor. So I kind of describe it as God's providence really moving me throughout my life to live my charism throughout my life before so that I could recognize it once it was placed in front of me. So I'm entering the Religious Sisters of Mercy of Alma, Michigan. Um, they were founded in 1973, but harken back to uh, Catherine McCauley as their foundress. Um, they live out, or their charism really is bringing about God's mercy, so living out the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Sort of more practically, their sisters are highly educated, and so there are a number of doctors, lawyers, nurses, um, PhD folks in their community, and um, they serve the church through Catholic health care work, um, serving in various dioceses, um, and teaching. Um, and similar to Molly, my meeting of these sisters was sort of providential uh, in that I actually had the sisters actually had come to St. Louis, and they have a house here, um, and they were invited here by Archbishop Carlson shortly after he was installed as uh, Archbishop. And uh, the sisters showed up at my parish and were are, are still at my parish, and I would see them every weekend, and I still never really talked to them despite uh, my former pastor's uh, request that I do so. Um, and then I started working for the archdiocese in the Curia and had two of the sisters um, actually working on my floor and still never really talked with them until my pastor had passed away and sort of through his intercession, um, I'm sure it sort of prompting, prompted something in my heart to start talking with them. Um, and it, it really was when I went up to visit the sisters and just spending time with them and just finding that peace that this is where God was calling me. Um, and it went something beyond just the intellectual. I think 
when you first start discerning and you're looking at religious communities, there's just so many out there. Um, and so you sort of have to use your intellect to try to narrow that down a little bit of, am I being called to an active versus contemplative community? Um, do I feel drawn to a Franciscan or Dominican community or, or to some other spirituality? Um, but after a while, you just sort of have to let go of sort of your preconceived notions or sort of your checklist of what I want in a community um, and just let God work on your heart and let him lead you. And that's what I found when I went up to visit with the sisters, that that's really where um, God has is, is asking me to go, and that's where I will um, best live out my vocation. So it sounds like uh, there's a couple ways that this could come about in one's life. Uh, kind of Molly's way where she's praying and, and thinking about things and where she wants to go with life and, and almost, go- I don't know if this is what you did, but like Google, you know, you know, what sorts of religious orders are there and, and uh, you know, what, what might fit for me. And then there's Stephanie's where, where you literally encounter them in person mm-hmm. and, and meet them. And I'm not saying you didn't encounter, yeah, yeah. encounter your order, but, you know, being around, whether it's for men and being around priests, that helps foster vocations. And for young women, being around uh, religious sisters or nuns helps foster that vocation. So um, it's, it's kind of interesting to see sort of the slightly different dynamics mm-hmm. at play here. Uh, but you mentioned something, Stephanie, that I wanted to bring up, that you encountered these nuns because you were working for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And I think that's a really unique fact. And actually, that's the reason why I wanted to bring you guys in today is because both of you at one point worked for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Can you talk about that at all if working here for the Archdiocese has helped uh, in your spiritual life and in this discernment process? Sure. I think God has a sense of humor about a lot of things, and one of them was was leading me to this particular community. Um, as I said, you know, I, I tried for a very long time to not talk with these sisters, um, and it really was just sort of encountering them on a daily basis that it just sort of opened up something in my heart that, okay, maybe it's, it's not so scary to talk with them, and maybe there is something here. Um, and I think just working for the Archdiocese has been really helpful as, as I continue to discern religious life. Um, just having Mass available um, at work every day is amazing. Um, having other prayer opportunities, for example, our uh, work team um, would have uh, a Lenten and Advent Reflection Day where we just have time to pray together and um, you know reflect on that particular season in the liturgical calendar. Um, having opportunities for confession once a week um, at work. It, again, it's something that you just can't find, I think, in any other work environment. And to have that support, um, you know, to be praying with your coworkers, to to just be entirely focused on Christ and know that everything that you're doing um, is aimed to serve Christ and to serve his church um, sort of helps put you in the right mind frame for discernment of just being open and willing to hear God's call wherever it leads. Yeah, I would echo that um, daily mass was such a huge gift working for the archdiocese and um, yeah, the opportunity for confession once a week, just being able to um, feed my spiritual life while I'm at work. And um, also I think uh, just the women that some of the women that I've worked with at the archdiocese um, are just such spiritual powerhouses, and they really gave me the freedom to um, ask the hard questions of myself. Um, and I know that they were interceding for me throughout this process. You know, it's not like we were walking around saying that we were discerning, but just so many people in this community calling you on to have a deeper prayer life, to um, respond to God's call in a different way, whether that be you know 
starting a new podcast or having a different idea for um, maybe your work. I worked in events, so just maybe thinking about different speakers. And I think the openness and freedom of that was something that helped me listen to my desires and the voice of God in an even clearer way. And not to dwell on this too much, but um, do you think working here also maybe opens up um, something in your heart? Like, you know, now that you see your work as being sort of in the vineyard, if you will, like you are one of the workers, not that you aren't, if you don't work for the archdiocese, but here you are actually as part of the institution of the church working for it. You start maybe changing your mindset a little bit about you as a Catholic. Is that, would that be a fair assessment? Yeah. I mean, I think in a way, I mean, we're not, you know, it's not like we're in a class apart from the average Catholic in the pew or any more holy, but you know, you sort of, it becomes more concrete Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. a daily basis. Absolutely. And I think it's funny. I, uh, I was talking to my parents the other night. They're like, you kind of tried everything, you know, the international church, the national church, the (laughs) local church. Now you're going to the heart of the church. You know, it's just like, eventually God was like, okay, even like more, you know, uh, distinct, even more refined. Just uh, drawing you deeper and deeper yeah, into, into exactly. his love and, and, and into that, that desire that he has for, for you and for, for souls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, for me, I moved over from the Archdiocese after working for a number of years as a litigator in a, in a law firm here in town, and being able to work for the Archdiocese allowed for a greater integration of work in my faith life. Um, not that there wasn't some of that to, to begin with, but it's much easier to have that integrated life when you are working directly with and for the church, um, you know, and just having, and as Molly said, you know, there's just being influenced in having the prayers of so many of your coworkers, um, you know, whether they know or, or don't know that, that this is what you're praying about and discerning. Um, yeah, and just the number of priests around, um, you know, just really their model of sacrifice and that, you know, they've been able, they've been willing to give up their lives um, for the church, you know, was a huge influence on me. Um, now, real quick then, so let's get into sort of the, the nitty gritty, if you will, um, because you're, you're uh, following this call, but just because you're going to show up at a convent doesn't mean that that, that is the final mm-hmm. step. I mean, there are many steps between. So kind of walk us through, if you will, um, you're, you're going to be leaving here very shortly to go to your respective uh, convents or, or uh, houses of formation, whatever the, the, the term is for those. Um, it, what, what's that going to look like over the next you know, conceivably few years? So I'm actually going to be doing my first year formation over in Germany. Um, so I will be leaving for there very shortly. And then after that, I will be spending the next three years or so in Michigan uh, doing the rest of my initial formation. Um, the way that my community's formation works is we have a year of pre-postulancy, a year of uh, postulancy, and then two years of novitiate. The first year is a canonical year, which is uh, sort of mandated by canon law. And it's a time for studying the vows, more um, more deeply understanding the life, the what religious life really is, and then the second year of novitiate is an apostolic year where you're, it's spent um, integrating uh, the apostolic works with sort of a, a prayer life and understanding how to balance the two. So for the community I'm entering, your apostolic year is actually done at a house outside of the mother house, um, where you're really given a chance to learn how to balance um, the faith and, and your. Or, your prayer life and your apostolic work and to integrate the two. 
And then at that point, you would take temporary vows um, for a number of years. And then uh, usually about five years after that, you make final vows, which would be for the rest of your life. Yeah. So I love that, you know, I feel like with seminary discernment, a lot of people think, um, you know, oh, they have time to figure this out. And that's exactly what we're kind of entering into. It's not like uh, you enter the convent and they throw away the key and you're in there, you know, like um, it's definitely a very living discernment. Um, So I will be leaving in about a week and I will be moving up to the Bronx in New York City. And I will live in a house with other women discerning for the first year for postulancy. Second year, um, you have reception of the habit. So we have a two-year novitiate. First year is canonical year, which is the year of prayer and a little bit more um, just intense silence to hear if the Lord is actually asking you to give your life to this in a more concrete way within the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. So then the second year of your novitiate is also apostolic, so you get to try the different missions. And after that, those two years, you take first vows, uh, temporary vows, and renew for a few, and then um, final vows after that. And I think that's an important point is that, yeah, you're not going to the convent, and, you know, the key is not going to be thrown away. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like, um, maybe it's a bad example, but like Sound of Music. And, uh, you know, um, I can't think of the main character. But, you know, she's in the in the convent and then leaves and then goes back because she's scared. And, you know, so it's, there is some room for that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, <laughs> once you're there, you're there. All right. Yeah. Bye to your family. You're never going to see him again. So, um, you know, any women out there, the discernment process continues until, mm, until you yes. really know that this is where you're supposed to be. Yeah. I guess I would say, um, don't worry about it too much. I mean, like God is going to show you, I have, um, my spiritual, my very wise spirit director once told me that um, <laughs> God's will is going to be done. End of story. You know, like, and you can't really mess it up that much. <laughs> so um, just, just trust that He's leading, and he, he makes straight with crooked lines. And so, um, yeah, I think that was the mistake maybe that I've made in my overzealous heart sometimes. It's like, what do you want me to do? And trying to hold on to it so tight when really the Lord's like, would you let me just like give you these opportunities so that you can see with your real eyes and your real experience what you actually want? Um, because he is so generous. And, you know, date. Don't be afraid of dating. You know, just live um, with good community, good friends. Um, cultivate your sacramental life and Jesus will lead you. And and two, like, uh, it d- don't put a timeline on it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the other, like, can't can't give God deadlines. <laughs> yeah. Well, by my 25th birthday, yeah, I better right. be married or, you know, like, it's, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, I would just say, you know, pray and stay close to Christ and the church, um, you know, and the sacraments. And, yeah, to echo what Molly said, I mean, God desires your vocation more than you do. Like, as much as you sort of want to know now, you know, whether it is that you're called to religious life or married life um, or general single life, um, he wants you to know and he wants you to live that out even more than you do. So just be patient with it. Um, it's it's hard, I think, for young people nowadays because you're sort of trained, you know, when you're in high school, okay, well, you got to be aiming towards, well, what are you going to do after high school? What does that look like? Are you going to go to college? Where are you going to go to college? Where are you going to study? And when you're in college, you're sort of on the same path of, okay, well, if you want this job or if you want to go to grad school, you need to do A, B, C, and D. Um, and so you always sort of have this specific goal in mind. And discerning your vocation is nothing like that. Um, it's not, okay, well, in three years, I'm going to know exactly what my vocation is, and I'm going to do all these things so I can get there. 
right? Um, God in his timing will reveal that to you if you stay close to him and, and you're willing to listen. Um, can we get sort of personal here? And like, I want to know if you feel comfortable sharing, what are some of the things you've had to do to prepare for this? Like you were saying you had to sell your house and so like, can you, if, if, if you're comfortable sharing some of that stuff, because those are real challenges. Somebody might think, oh my gosh, well, I, you know, I have this commitment or I have this, I have, I have a house. I, I, you know, uh, I run a business or whatever. Um, what is that process like then? on a personal level of sort of disconnecting from all those things. Can you, can you share anything like that? So for me, I, I chose to sell my house. I mean, the sisters were okay with me if I wanted to rent it out for a little bit. I mean, this is sort of the beauty of the Catholic church and the discernment process of, you know, once you enter religious life, it's not like you need to immediately give away all of your possessions and everything. The church understands that there's, that you just need time to live religious life to, to more fully discern. Um, and so I chose to sell my house um, and, got rid of all my furniture, uh, everything I own, more or less. Um, <laughs> and so I've been living with one of my friends at her house. And so it's it's been sort of a f- very freeing po- process, honestly, getting rid of all of these things. Um, practically speaking, um, I mean, there's things that we need to get um, in preparation for what we needed in the convent, um, uh, clothing items, books. Uh, so the sisters, you know, obviously pray the liturgy of the hour, so getting those books scripture, catechism, that sort of thing. Um, there was like, really wasn't anything sort of crazy you know, on my list of things I needed to bring. Okay. And no crazy, like, obligations you had to sort of cut or, I mean, Right, like, right. You know. I mean, the biggest was obviously, you know, just letting my boss know at work and letting people at work know that I was leaving, um, it, which I think was, it was sort of a nerve-wracking experience but also very exciting at the same time. Yeah, I would echo that, too. Um, Stephanie's a lot more brave than me uh, selling her house and all of those things. I, uh, I, when I moved back to St. Louis, I just have been living with my parents. So I have it a little bit easier, I think, um, really just giving away clothes. And, uh, yeah, but trying to have a, at least a little bit of a spiritual um, detachment from material goods. You know, you give up your Facebook, your Instagram, your social media, um, and, and just – kind of give yourself that space. I don't know. Do you guys have cell phones? No. So no cell phone, no email, all that good stuff. Um, and, that, and that does vary from order to order. Yeah. Right? I mean, because yeah. some, I follow a lot of priests and, and religious on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And, and so. Right. And the sisters in my community, some of the professed do use social media and have a Facebook uh, profile and things like that. Uh, um, I think during formation, they, they ask um, the young woman to, to give up Facebook and Twitter and all that sort of stuff, just as to allow yourself more time to really hear God's voice and not become distracted by what else is going on in the world. Right. As they should. That's important. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's mostly, yeah, clothing items, um, buying a plane ticket to go out to New York City, um, just and saying goodbyes to a lot of friends. And we were talking a little bit, just it's such a beautiful and bittersweet process as you get ready to leave because you're so excited, but you're also like, this is a real transition. Like when someone gets married, realizing they won't sleep in their parents' house, you know, ever again, or just, you know, have certain freedoms that you used to have. Um, so I think, yeah, on a personal level, that's really just the biggest preparation is, um, all right, Lord, I'm ready. Here I am. No, I mean, I would just 
it's similar to what Molly said. I mean, it's the last couple of weeks have definitely been sort of an emotional roller coaster where at times you're just like super excited and, you know, for this new adventure and other times you're just really sad to be saying goodbye to friends. I mean, for me, it's a little bit different because my family's not here in St. Louis of, of leaving, you know, friends that I know here because I may or may not ever actually be back in St. Louis. Whereas I think probably for Molly, because her folks live here that when she comes home on a home visit, at least there's a chance that she'll run into folks. So that's a little bit of a different um, experience that I'm going through and just giving it over to the Lord that um, this that if if I am following his will, you know, he'll take care of, of my friends and, and family. If you or someone you know may be hearing God's calling to the religious life, whether as a priest, nun, brother, or religious sister, and you would like to learn more or find resources to help in discernment, Get in touch with the Archdiocese of St. Louis Office of Vocations by visiting archstl.org slash vocations. Or, to learn more about Consecrated Life, visit archstl.org slash consecrated life. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We always welcome story tips and ideas for the podcast, just send them to communications at archstl.org. That's communications at archstl.org. Make sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with what's going on here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're on Twitter, at archstl is our handle there, at archstl. And we're on Instagram, at catholicstl. And you should follow the St. Louis Review there on Facebook, also Twitter and Instagram under the handle at St. Louis Review. That's St. Louis Review. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. We hope you'll join us again next time here in the Gateway to the West, the Rome of the West, Catholic St. Louis.